Welcome home. Welcome as we gather for our God. That's what corporate worship is all about. We love you, Michelle, and I love you guys so much. I'm still thrilled to be back in person. Uh, excited about that, even though we're not completely phased all the way back in. Every weekend, watching promisers come back for the first time, praising the Lord, watching worship, people happy, caring, praying, loving for each other. This really is our spiritual family. And then there are so many others that I haven't seen yet and concerned about really where you guys are and how you're doing. And uh, so cannot wait to see everybody back. So I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Come on, I don't know y'all, but I'm fired up. To be in the house of God. Man, awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, uh, in my quiet time, and if you're in the Bible reading plan, you'll probably a week and a half ago, uh, came on a verse that, man, just the Spirit of God just arrested me on it. And I started meditating on this and then developed a message for our staff. And then some of the staff members said, hey, pastor, you need to share that with the body. So I was, you know, in the book of Psalms, and if you're in the Bible reading plan, you'll remember this. If you're not, hope you're on a plan. If you don't have a plan, get on it with us. Amen. Don't try to catch up. Not happening. It's not happening. You're about 700, 800 pages behind. Just start right in on them. You can go to version and, and even our devotions on there. Psalms 133, behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in what? In unity. In Unity. It's like the precious oil upon the head coming down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard. Not Aaron going, but Aaron, the first high priest. Uh, coming down the edges of his robe, it is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded blessings, blessing life forever. And what got me was there the Lord commanded blessings. Now, you may not want them, but I want the blessings of God. Is anybody with me? Come on, I want the blessing. On me, on my family, on our spiritual family, you know, on, on this nation, I want God's blessing. And the Bible says, for there, the Lord commanded blessing. So I said, God, where do you command blessing? Is it, is it upon Aaron that the anointing oil is on? Nope, that's an illustration. Is it, is it in the dew that's coming down the mountain of Hermon to the mountains of Zion? No. Where does God command blessings? He commands blessings in unity. So unity, the Lord commands blessings. No, really, no unity in America right now. Is that right? No unity. Now this word is used 142 times unity in the Old Testament. And, uh, and so it is something that God wants. God blesses unity or oneness. Now, again, we, we as a nation are divided. Would y'all agree with that? Every way you can slice it and, di- and dice it. And yet we know from the scripture, God blesses unity. Why do we need to be one? What's the deal? Because it is the express, revealed, written will of God for the people that love God. And there God commands his blessings The quickest way to destruction is division. So, you know, we we get divided in here, our church is gone. We stay divided in our nation, our nation's gone. So Ephesians, Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, 
is, uh, is, is writing about, about it, about unity. And he uses the word one. In, in Ephesians chapter four, verses one through four, therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, Paul is in prison when he's writing this letter to the Ephesian church, implore you, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He's not talking to a bunch of preachers, he's talking to a bunch of Christians, a bunch of Christ's followers. He's not writing a letter to a seminary, he's writing a letter to a church. And what does he say? Man, you've been called. So with all humility and gentleness, would your family be better with a little more humility and gentleness? Would our church be better? Would our nation be better? No question. Humility and gentleness with patience showing tolerance for one another. The most intolerant time in my life is today in America. Never seen any more tolerant of y'all. The list of what you can't say, can't talk about grows every day. Pretty soon we'll have four words in our vocabulary. Just can't, just can't say anything. So uh, be showing tolerance for one another in love. Be diligent, which means you give 110% of your effort to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. For there is one body, one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, through all, and in all, one, oneness. This word, is, this word one is used 229 times in the New Testament. And so would you agree that it's the heart of God for us to be one? Unity. It's something we have to be diligent to work toward because we live in a world that the devil is dividing. Now, we understand the world is divided. We understand the culture is divided. But the kingdom has to be single-minded, not divided. I'm watching every day, day as tons of groups have formed across the country and new groups are forming every day. It is we versus them. Get on social media, it's we versus them. Miles McPherson, a pastor in California, wrote an incredible book called The Third Option, Us. Us, instead of we and them, how about us? See, we and them is a division. In 2 Corinthians chapter uh, five, verse 18, now these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so we are to reconcile people to God and to each other. In John chapter uh, 17, which really should be entitled the Lord's Prayer, because this is the heart of Jesus. This is his last prayer besides, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. This he prays in the garden. He's going to be crucified the next morning, and this is the last agonizing time with the Father. And starting in verse 20, he said, I do not, the whole chapter is his prayer. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those who believe in me through their word. Jesus is praying in John 17, 20 for you. Do we believe? Do we believe? And we believe because of their word. So he's talking to us for that. What does he pray that? that they may be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, 
so that the world may believe that you sent me. That's why the devil wants us divided, because united the world would realize that Jesus is the Messiah. But divided, they cannot see it. They'll know that you sent me when my, when my people are united. The glory which you have given me, I've given to them, that they may be one just as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity. We want to be perfect. We want to be mature. We've got to be united. We've got to be one. Amen? Come on, somebody. We've got to be. So that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So complete unity, what's it going to take? We know that it's God's will, right? Because I can read you 400 more verses if you need them. Let me give you three things just quickly. Now remember, we have a little shortened service. That'll, that'll stop in sometime in the near future because I can't preach for 23 minutes long. Okay, so we're, we'll be, we'll, as soon as we phase that back in, so you got to keep up. Y'all are moving fast enough. If, are, you, are you with me? All right, so the three things we have to do. Number one, we have to realize there's one fight. Be diligent to preserve the to unity in the bond of peace. Here's the deal, there's one fight and it's not with each other. Our fight is not with Black Lives Matter. Our fight is not with Blue Lives Matter. Our fight is not with blacks or white or Republicans or Democrats or Americans versus the Chinese. That is not our fight. We do not fight with people. There is a fight and that's not it. Jesus said in John 10, 10, the devil comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. We live in a, in a world today where everyone is accusing everyone about everything. Well, you're a racist. Well, you're a this and you're a that and you're a homophobe and you're a, you're a right winger and you're a left winger and you are and you are and I can't believe you said and you hurt my feelings. And, and let me tell you what we do when we jump in on that, we become helpers of hell. Because we've already agreed God wants unity and we are us versus them when we are drawing lines and I'm on this side and you're on that side, then we're helping hell. And man, I, listen, it, we, we've got to be so careful because I don't know about you, but I don't wonder well. And so it's hard to trust people when you don't know them or somebody says something that, on Instagram or somebody does something. But it clearly in the most warfare-driven passage in all the Bible, Ephesians 6, we do not wrestle with flesh and blood. That's people. Our fight is not with people, but it's with principalities and powers, rulers of wickedness in heavenly places. There is a dark army, and we are fighting that army. It is not somebody else. It is not Joe Biden. It is not President Trump. The vitriol hatred in this culture boggles my mind. Are y'all with me? The hatred. It, it, it is crazy. You see, we cannot reconcile each other until we see and defeat hell. That hell's the real enemy. Because listen, if Satan divides us, we're done for. Because Jesus said in Matthew 12, 25, he starts about this, and knowing their thoughts. Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said to them, any kingdom divided against itself is laid what? That's your family. That's your marriage. That's your small group. 
That's this congregation. That's this country. Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. Any city or house divided against, against itself will not stand. It won't stand. A country won't stand. So we've, we've, just, we've gone from one issue to the other. I, I'm telling you, I'm not coming out on the, on the end of COVID like I went into it. God is doing a radical work inside my heart. Come on, y'all with me? And then COVID ended, COVID ended. And then we had the George Floyd deal and the country goes up in flames. I'm not the same since George Floyd. I'm, I'm different, I'm different. Because a broken and a contrite heart is the pathway into the presence of God. Fighting in anger and bitterness and resentment and hating this group or that group, that's not the way into the presence of God. A broken and contrite heart that will not despise, oh Lord, Psalms 51. And so I don't think, I really don't think if the church will keep going that we will be the same after the George Floyd murder. I don't believe we'll be the same. I don't think the riots are helping. I don't think burning down buildings are helping. I don't think blaming all police is helping. Are y'all with me? It's incredible. There are a lot of terrible pastors, but there are a few good ones. Come on. There are, there are some, there's some police officers who don't do well and there's some incredible ones. And I sure hope if my, listen, come on, amen. And I sure hope if my wife has a wreck or somebody's attacking my wife, there's a cop nearby to help her. Or my grandkids, are y'all with me? See, we, we lump. So what, let me tell you what I'm doing. I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm asking questions. Understanding, understanding someone better never hurts. See, our fight is against ignorance, not individuals. Are y'all with me? See, we have one fight. We have one Father, one God who's over all, through all, and in all. Are you with me? And we have a lot of differences. You have one Father. We have one heart. See, unity is not uniformity. God loves diversity, or he wouldn't have made people look so different. He loves colors. He made people different colors. He put them in different places. He gave people different personalities. He gave everybody in the church different gifts because God's not looking for a solo. God's looking for an orchestra that will play his song for the world in harmony and unity. That's what God's looking for. That's what he wants, one father. Acts 4.32, and the congregation of those who believed were one, with one heart, and one soul, and not one of them claimed anything belonged to himself was his own, but all things were common property to them, and with great power the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord. Why was there such power? Why did the gospel spread? Because the church was unified. Are you with me? So how do we serve our one father? By loving and serving each other. How do we love and serve each other? How do we create unity, not just in our church, but where you work and where you live? All right, let me give you three things. Are you ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. Number one, we have to engage other people. Don't just read authors that, that believe everything you believe. 
Don't just talk to people that look like you, act like you, walk like you. Get outside of your circle. Are you with me? Have some conversations. Immediately after George Floyd, you've heard me say it before, I started calling and talking to some of our African-American promisers. Tell me how you feel. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what's happening. Trying to, you know, and I, for, the, for the first two weeks, I did not get off the phone or leave a conversation. I wasn't weeping. I had no idea you felt like that. See, you only know how you feel. And you may think everybody feels like you, but they don't because they don't have your journey. So James chapter one, verse 19 says this, be quick to and slow to speak. See, we're quick to and slow to. You got two ears and one mouth. There's a mathematical formula right there for you. You see, we don't listen because we're waiting for them to take a breath so we can jump in there and give our opinion. Am I the only one guilty in the house? Don't make me call names because I know some of y'all. So we've got we've to engage and then we have to not only engage, we have to empathize with people, but feel what people feel. I didn't realize I made you feel that way when I said that. I didn't realize you've been through that. I didn't realize. And so, man, you, it, it is, it's like doing a funeral. If you've ever been to a funeral, I've been in ministry 38 years. I've done a lot of funerals. And I've never once gone to the funeral home to sit down with a family to explain to them why their loved one was gone, because I'm not God. Why did the cancer get them? Why did they have a car wreck? Why did the three-year-old, what happened? How, why did their mama or papa or mom and dad, why are they gone? I'm not there to explain. I'm there to encourage and just empathize. Hold their hand, pray with them and tell them, I'm so sorry, I love you. It means you gotta be there. You gotta engage, you gotta, you gotta empathize. Galatians 6, 2, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. But how can you bear my burden if you can't feel me? How can you bear someone's burden if you don't feel and understand what they're going? And then we embrace other people. We love folks. Love covers a multitude of sins. We'll be un united when we love each other. See, with faith promise, we love each other. I got your back, you got my back. The disciples, Jesus said, would be marked by love one for another. We have to, and we've got to embrace other people. Does, that, does this make sense? Are y'all with me? It's because that's, that's what God wants us to do. That's how, we, that's how we operate. That's how we gain unity, by embracing, by, by empathizing, by understanding. So we have one fight, we have one Father, God, and we have one focus. That is to help real people with real problems find the real love of Jesus. Are you with me? Because there's only two kinds of people, two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor, not Democrat and political. There are two kinds of people, Jesus said, those that are lost and those that are found. And that's what matters at the end of the day. Ephesians 2, 10, for, for, for you are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works that you should walk in the heat before ordained that you should walk in them. Listen, what matters is souls. What matters is winning people. Are y'all with me? See, because the gospel is the only answer for rec real reconciliation. The gospel is, I mean, it's, it is, 
It is the only answer. There is no reconciliation without, with each other if we haven't been reconciled to God. You cannot legislate unity and you cannot legislate reconciliation. I heard my pastor tell this a week ago, Chris Hodges, 1961, they built the Berlin Wall, divided Germany one side and the other. It divided Berlin, East Berlin and West Berlin. There were two sides. And then communism fell. But guess what? The wall was still there. 1964, LBJ signed into law the Civil Rights Act. Did that mean racism was gone? Nobody changed how they felt because a president signed a piece of paper. Nobody changes how they feel because of Congress or the Senate signed a piece of paper. So communism was illegal, but the wall was still there. And so a bunch of young people decided they were gonna to begin to tear the wall down. They got pickaxes and shovels. Now this wall was ginormous, it was insurmountable. They weren't about to be able to tear this wall down, are y'all with me? But they didn't try to tear the whole wall down, they said, I'm gonna do my part. I'm gonna tear the wall down right in front of me. And they began to do, and eventually that wall came down. Listen to me. I can't make us all be unified, but I can, I can tear down my part of the wall. I can't make us reconcile racially, but I can tear down my part of the wall. I can't make us be one, but I can tear down my part of the wall in front of me. I can love people. A broken and a contrite heart, come on church, we gotta be one if we're gonna see revival. We're gonna be one if we're gonna see the power of the gospel flow through us with signs and wonders and miracles and God doing something so extraordinary, nobody could get plain but God. Oh God, would you open our eyes up to unity? Would you open our eyes up, God, to one? Would you open our eyes up, Father? This country is divided and the hatred out there is extraordinary. But God, you came, you sent your son to die so that we wouldn't have to hate and be divided. So God, help us at Faith Promise to love every single person we see, meet, or walk into, who we work with them, go to school with them, play ball with them, whatever, God, use us. And not love them because they're lovely or lovable, love them because your love is in our hearts. Help us love them like you loved us. And maybe this weekend, you haven't been reconciled to God. It says in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were making an appeal through us, we beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. God is making an appeal through me to you. Be reconciled to God. Why do we have to be reconciled? Because your sin separated you and God. Your sin has hidden his face that he will not hear you. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, not even one. We need God. Are y'all with me? We were born into that. We chose it by nature and we chose it. So we've all sinned. But if you're ready to be reconciled, if you're ready to leave where your life is and move to where God wants you, if you want freedom and forgiveness, if you want adoption and purpose, if you want vision and life, then leave a life of sin and begin to follow Jesus. So if our campus pastors would come forward at all of our campuses, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're ready to respond and open your heart up to Jesus, now is the time.